You are listening to Afraid Not Podcast with Jill McCormick and Robin Wall. We believe that our stories matter and make us who we are. Every other week, we invite guests to join us and share their stories. Even though our stories have not, we are not afraid. Our stories are afraid. They are not perfect. We believe that the truth of our mess makes us stronger. We hope that God uses these stories to encourage and strengthen your faith as you trust in Him. Our theme verse is Colossians 1:17, which says, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, even our frayed knots. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Jill McCormick. I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not Podcast. You're listening to episode 133 with Caitlin McCormick, who's coming today to share a great story with us. And no relation, Caitlin McCormick. She is a McCormick and I'm a McCormick, but not the same McCormick. Just sisters in Christ. Sisters in Christ. There we go. (laughs) So this is a story we can all relate to, either in our own lives or in a dear friend, of walking through some anxiety. Uh, In particular for Caitlin, this happened as an onset of after her baby was born, postpartum anxiety. She shares openly and vulnerably with us about how this was a really hard and difficult time. She also talks about being a young uh, woman in her middle school years and going through some of that at that time too. So I think this will be a good thing for all of us when we deal with depression and anxiety. Listen in. Hi, Caitlin. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. We are so glad you said yes. Thanks for being here. And would you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself to them? Yes. So I'm Caitlin. I'm 32. I've been married for almost 11 years in April, which is crazy. I did not realize it's been that long. (laughs) Yes. Wow. Which is so wild. Yes. I'm married to my best friend, Mm -hmm. Noah. He's the best. And I have two babies, Smiles. He's six. Ella, she's four. And we attend Central Baptist in Owasso. I grew up going to FBC, oh, so I grew up going there. But um, my husband is the student pastor over there, and I love to sing and bake and be a mom. That's pretty much kind of me. (laughs) And sometimes there's been confusion at FBC when you guys were there because... You all are McCormick's. Yes. I'm a McCormick. Yes. And people would always be like, oh. Are, are you is, related? Is, they'd be like, is Noah Quinn's brother? Yes. And they, would ju- <laughs> and they would just be like, yeah, we're siblings. And okay. they would try to trick people. <laughs> they both have like the beautiful brown eyes and like that dark hair. And so they're like, yeah. And I'm sure there were lots of times when you were singing on stage and Sean McCormick was playing guitar (laughs) on stage and that is also not connected there, you know, that's funny. We have, and we have another family too in the church that is also last name McCormick that we've had some funny little which person, which, yeah. (laughs) Anyway. That's awesome. I love it. But Caitlin, we're really happy that you came today and... Could we just start today with a fun little background story of how did you meet Noah? Yes. So Noah and I met in high school, actually, and I never thought 
I would meet my spouse in high school. <laughs> I just didn't. I was like, there's no way I'm going to meet my husband at Owasso High School. Uh, but I did. And we ended up meeting at a Youth Alive officer meeting a couple weeks before school started. He was a junior. I was a senior. So, you know. He says, I'm so old. I'm only 10 months older, but it's, it's fine. And I'm I, sure he'll tease you that for the rest of your oh life. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He likes to hold on to that. <laughs> <laughs> but I immediately was just like, who is this person? Because he shook my hand and he was so close to my face. I was like, <laughs> I was like hi. Like, I, I've never, I was so uncomfortable. But I also was like, it's kind of cute, you know. And so then we... <laughs> Ended up being in class together, and it was actually parenting and childhood development class, which is funny. Mm -hmm. Very funny. And <laughs> he's pretty much the only one I sort of knew in there, and we just became really good friends that whole year. And I was getting ready to go off to school, and I, <laughs> I was like, I'm not dating anybody. I don't want to date, you know, just focus. And then two weeks after I graduated, we started dating. <laughs> <laughs> And we dated for about two and a half years, and then we got married. So, and life has been so wild. We've had so many, like everybody, ups and downs, but I just couldn't have. I prayed for Noah. I didn't know somebody like that existed, but I'm so glad that he does. He is just everything that I could have imagined and more. Yeah, mm -hmm. I've never met anybody like him. He's just unique to who he is. And I love it. <laughs> So, mm -hmm. and, and didn't you have a best friend that married his brother? Yes, <laughs> my best friend, um, Cherish, Cherish McCormick. We've been best friends for over twenty years, and she ended up. Uh, we kind of we kind of got them together, and <laughs> ended up working mm -hmm. out. And now they have four beautiful kids, and they're married. Do you know Quinn's sisters? Quinn's one of her best friends married her. Uh, yes, brother-in-law. So yes. they're now sister-in-laws too. Yeah, I, yes, <laughs> that's right. I forgot her name, but yes. Maddie. Maddie. Yeah. I want to say Maggie, but I'm thinking of your Maggie. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I love that. Cool. A gift from God that you have for your entire life now. <laughs> Absolutely. That your yeah. best friend yeah. is your sister-in-law. <laughs> yes. It is so fun. It is so, so fun. Yeah. Yeah. She's a sister that I, I always had and needed, and now God kept us together, so we're thankful. And our mm -hmm. kids are cousins, so that's really cool. That's really, that's really cool. So they get to grow up together. And it. you did already say that you grew up going to First Baptist Church of Watso, but I would love to also hear the story of what was your personal recognition that you needed Jesus to be your Savior? Did that happen when yes. you were young or old, or what so, did it look like for you? When I was when I was eight years old, I saw my sister like praying with my mom and kind of wanted to do everything she did, and so I remember praying that same night with them, but. I don't, I don't believe that that was my point of salvation. I think I was just an excited kid that, you know, wanted to do what my sister was doing. And God started to work in my life because even though I was raised in the church and everything like that, and I struggled with self-esteem and it turned into a very deep depression that I didn't really talk about much, but it came out in a lot of ways that were were not great. I, I don't know if I was the best friend, like fun friend to be around because I was kind of just a downer. This is in high school? This was in junior high, seventh junior grade high. specifically. Okay. Um, seventh grade was the toughest year for me because I, I truly hated myself. And it's hard to wow. say that now because 
I, I say Jesus saved me from myself Mm -hmm. because I was in the devil's grasp. He wanted me Mm -hmm. and he wanted me to not be here. And Jesus pulled me right out of that. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing because I definitely would not be here if, Jesus did not save me from myself. I didn't want to live. and I So even about, as a seventh grader, yeah. you were having real I suicidal was, thoughts. I was, yes. Oh had it gotten to the point where you like had a plan? I had thought of things. I kind mm-hmm. of tried to, this is sometimes embarrassing to say, but it's true. Sometimes I tried to hurt myself because mm-hmm. I just wanted to like be away, whether mm-hmm. that be in the hospital or something. Thoughts that... And I was so young. I was only 12, 13. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really talk to my parents about it because I was afraid they would, like, send me away or something. Mm-hmm. And But I, I would try to tell my mom, and she would pray with me, and I would just cry. And I didn't know why I was like that, why I felt this way. And I just had terrible anxiety, not realizing it was the anxiety as well at that point. But, but Satan was really trying to take me out. I mean, the Bible's serious when it says he wants to steal and kill and destroy. Mm -hmm. And I've, I'm just so grateful. I'm so thankful. And so that summer after seventh grade, I went to Falls Creek and I talked to a lady, Suzanne Baumhoff. She was one of my Sunday school teachers a long time ago and just means so much to me. And I felt so comfortable to talk to her about everything. I talked to her on a Monday night and Thursday night. That speaker said, if you were to die tomorrow, do you know? Do you really know that you would go to heaven? And I'm thinking, no, I don't. And, you know, half the time I don't want to live. So where would I go? Mm -hmm. And so I remember going down, song, I Surrender All, you know, good old hymn. And, um... (laughs) I remember, like yesterday, it was in like a concrete amphitheater, which I think is like a skate park thing there now. And we went up under a tent. I knelt down like on a cold fold-out chair and gave my life to Jesus. And of course, things didn't change overnight, but I genuinely did feel like a huge weight was just off of me. I Mm -hmm. felt like an oppression that was just on my life was just gone. And I felt hope and I hadn't felt hopeful for a while. Wow. And I think that a lot of those feelings started when I was in about sixth grade and they just kind of continued. And so Jesus surely did save my life. He truly did. And I never want to forget that. And we actually sang a song Sunday. It's very new to me, but it's called, I believe, I think it's by Phil Wickham. And the bridge says, um, I will never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How could I ever walk away from the one who saved my life? And I love that. And we sang it Sunday and I was just preparing, as I was preparing for this podcast, I almost was just in tears on stage because I'm thinking that's exactly what you did. And there was another song that kept coming to mind by Phil Wickham. And he says, who pulled me out of that pit? He did. He did. Who paid for all of my sin? Nobody but Jesus. Who rescued me from that grave? Yahweh. You know, I'm just thinking it could have been a spiritual and physical grave if he didn't save me. And I have great parents that love me and taught me about Christ. Mm -hmm. But thank goodness God had different plans for me. 
it's a real example of spiritual warfare. Absolutely. There you were as a little 12-year-old girl. I mean, we all know 12-year-olds right now that we just love. And I I spend most of my day with 12-year-olds every day as a music teacher, choir teacher. And I wonder how many of them are under spiritual attack right now, too. Yes. That you felt terrible about yourself, your life, your... And that was all Satan-driven. Yes, absolutely. There was no reason for you to feel that way. Well, an anxiety and depression right. is not, it doesn't care about that. It right. doesn't care what kind mm-hmm. of family you come from. Mm-hmm. No. It's good. If it's going to attack, it's going to attack. But that's why it's important for us to know what's going on with our kids. Even yes. if we're like, everything's fine here. Yeah. We, we're in Owasso. Everything's mm-hmm. great. You have to know what's going on with your kids because anxiety and depression do not care. Yeah. And whether or not you're a family that goes to church. No, I mean, you matter. were growing I mean, up in church. I was growing up in it yeah. since I was as young as I can remember. We have a terrible enemy yeah. who does not have any bounds. Yes. He is ruthless and he wants to take us out. He does. And I love the fact that you felt that you had that oppression just lifted off of you. Absolutely. I mean, the power of Jesus. The power that's, of Jesus. It's awesome. And there it's you incredible. were as a little 12 year old. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know. I was like, <laughs> I tried to cry. <laughs> so how was eighth grade after that? So eighth grade after that, I feel like things really did start to change. Of course, the self-esteem struggles, I mean, they've gone through so many years and I can I can confidently say now, I think when I had my first child, um, a lot of that self-esteem comparison game struggles really just kind of washed away because I had a whole different perspective on life. Mm -hmm. I think you both can understand that (laughs) of what motherhood, parenthood does, and it just changes everything. And so... Um, eighth grade after that was, it was better. I was more upbeat. I felt a little more confident in who I was. And, uh, it was, it was still a a pretty good struggle there until I graduated. I I would say probably the end of my junior year and senior year of high school is finally when I came out of my shell because I was a very painfully shy child, um, all through school because I was very fearful And at home, I was not like that. My Mm -hmm. mom used to uh, go into meetings with the kindergarten teacher and they'd say, is something wrong? She doesn't, she won't talk. My mom's like cracking up, like, oh, she talks. She talks at home. (laughs) And um, And you're a middle child? I'm a middle child. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's funny how I can see now at 32, kind of how I started and how Satan tried to grab that and just totally stop the plans or alter the plans that God did have for my life. Mm-hmm. And I do call myself like an introvert extrovert because I love to mm-hmm. be loud and have fun, but I can be a little nervous, you know, at times and shyer at times, but I, I do love to talk to people. That's one of my favorite things to do is actually just people and have a conversation like this. It's mm-hmm. that really fills me up inside. So, um, yeah, it's been a journey. I'm still going, but I'm certain that a lot of our listeners are nodding their heads as this conversation is playing, saying, that's so how I felt too. Or maybe they still are in that right now, in that moment. Yeah. 
Well, let's talk a little bit about whatever you have on your heart, what you would want to share with us as you're afraid not today. Yes. So as I was praying about this and thinking, um, something that really rocked my world was after I had my son and I, six days after he was born, I was, I didn't know, I didn't know what was going on with me. Mm -hmm. I, first of all, I didn't realize all the hormones that go wild. And so Uh (laughs) my physical body was going wild. Like even when he would cry, my skin would break out into hives, heat hives. Wow. And I was like, what is happening to me? And I got really dehydrated and stuff. So I ended up going to the hospital when he was six days old. And oh my goodness. I just remember thinking, I'm taking my new baby to my mom. And I was at the hospital and I kept telling the nurse, I, I need to get home to my son. I need to get home to my son. And so that was my goal. Thankfully, I am pretty hard-headed. I'm a little strong-willed. <laughs> I think second kids tend to be that way. Uh, but my thankfully, I have a mother that told me it was my greatest gift, but I can, I can decide how to use it. So some days I still don't use it great, but God has helped me use it in good ways. And so I think that helped me in this story, but I ended up, it was postpartum anxiety. So I didn't feel depressed or sad or down, it was this overwhelming like panic and panic attacks, things I had never experienced before. My I couldn't eat, I lost like nine pounds in seven days. What I, yeah, I was struggling. My my body was it kind of felt like it was shutting down because I was very dehydrated, but I also that panic attack mm-hmm. that makes mm-hmm. you feel like and you never had a panic attack before never not my whole life and so and I had had anxiety but never a panic attack and all I could think in the back of my mind is you got to take care of your son and I was very embarrassed and struggling that I had to call people for help and Noah my husband was amazing and just took on so much and later down the road told me how scared he was uh, that something was going to happen to me but once we put, I, I went to the doctor, I think it was like a week after or something. They said, you know, let's put you on some medicine. And it started to balance things out. Thank and goodness for that. Thank goodness for that. Yes. And that was hard for me at first as well because I am so hard-headed. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I was mad that I couldn't will this away. I was mm-hmm. just so frustrated. And God taught me a lot through that, like, well... That's the first thing is you're trying to will something <laughs> and you need to kill your will. You need, you need my will. And so that was a learning experience about God's will versus our will. And, and I was, it's, there's no shame in being on a medicine if you really do need the help. And Absolutely. I, I, yes. And I, I learned that because I, I kind of had to eat some crow, I'll tell you, a mini story. My sister struggled with a lot of mental health things, and I didn't really understand it. um, This was before I had Miles, and I kind of was like, you know, being sort of uh, not empathetic. Like, why can't, what's going on? (laughs) You know, like, and I totally got it after Mm -hmm. (laughs) after that, and I remember calling her and telling her, sorry, that I understand now. And she ended up coming over and helping me a little bit. But anyway, that took, that took a while to get past the, 
disappointment in myself of taking medicine. Like thinking that you somehow would be too, like you're weak now or something. Mm -hmm. That's happened to me as well with, with Maggie. And I was so glad I took the medicine because I was finally able to like be Be a normal me again. (laughs) Same. I mean, I think we'd be surprised how many people have postpartum depression or anxiety. And I did the same thing. I had, I went in for postpartum Mm -hmm. and She's like, well, we're going to give you this medicine. And I was like, I'm in school to be a counselor. I can't be on that. <laughs> and she's like, what are you even talking about? Like, it was like she gave me permission to be like, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, You're okay. still a person. Yeah, that's exactly. She's yeah. just like, you're still yeah. a person. Like, yes. it's still your hormones and stuff. Like, yes. relax. <laughs> and I think it's important to talk about these things because I did not know that this could happen to somebody after having a baby. I didn't know that people experienced that. And about four months postpartum with Miles, I had someone reach out on Facebook and tell me that they went through almost the exact same thing. Really? Yes. And I, cause I, some people were like, yes, I understand, but I don't. Cause I didn't have like where I couldn't eat and things. And I was thinking, am I crazy? Like what's going on? And and it was very, uh, gave me that light at the end of the tunnel that she had walked that road. She has two kids and she made it. And it, it probably took with both kids about five months in to feel like me again. And I'm actually still on medicine mm-hmm. and I still get that really hard headed part of my personality. That's like, I just don't want to be on this. You know, I feel fine. I don't need this, but I'll say once the physiological things got under control, the spiritual side really comes in. And I think we have to watch for that because anxiety can also be an oppressive spirit. And I, that really made me dive in deeper to my relationship with God because it kind of reared its head again. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm on this medicine. What's going on? (laughs) Like it, it would go very up and down. And I think, you know, it's just Satan. Mm-hmm. And there was there was a story, or not was, there is a story in the Bible that I went to during this time because what happened was I was going through all of this panic and I felt fine. And then about a year later, it all just happened again. And the panic attacks the panic and everything. Attacks and everything. And I had some really great friends kind of help me through that, that understood I was in community Bible study at the time. Mm -hmm. And so that really helped. And we learned about Genesis 16, where Abram and Sarah, Sarah, is that how she says it? Before she was Sarah, Sarah. If you want to say Sarah, I think that's right. Okay, Sarah, (laughs) Abram and Sarah. We're not going to fight about that. (laughs) Well, they're trying to have a baby. They couldn't. She's like, here's my servant, Hagar. I want a baby. And, you know, Hagar gets pregnant, but then, and I looked in a few different versions and each version was saying she started having contempt towards Sarai, mm-hmm. which that's not right. You know, she's kind of feeling like, Hey, I, I think because she, maybe she was a servant her whole life. I don't know. Maybe she felt like, well, look at me now I'm pregnant and you're not, I don't know, not a great attitude. Well, and we got some complication with sister wives here. Too. Exactly. This is There's definitely, going, oh, you yeah. know, it's a whole, Oh yeah. that's a whole thing that I'm like, that was a bad idea. You know, that was a really <laughs> bad, bad idea. idea. Yeah. And so 
Abram's like, she's your servant, do with her what you want, which I'm always like, oh man. And so it got so bad, she runs away into the wilderness and she's at this well. And she is just encountering the living God there, which I think is cool. The Bible says the living God, because he is, he's alive and he was then, he is now. And he says, that's where we get Elroy, which I love. Mm -hmm. But I looked up the... A well of a well of the living one who sees me is what it's called Beer Lahai Roy. Beer Lahai Roy. And it means a well of the living one who sees me. And so God saw her there and he met her there in her need in the wilderness. And then I thought to myself, like, how many times have I been I just run away from everything and I feel like I'm in the wilderness, so to speak. And I have those Hagar moments that God is like, I see you. Mm-hmm. I, I, I see you. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Um, and I get to encounter him, the mm-hmm. living God. And he really does pull me up every time, even though he's reminded me a million times. And I've learned a lot from the story of Abraham and Hagar and all that. But even Abraham, when he... God is so kind that he, he, he's like, God, am I going to have a son or, you know, a child? And he takes him out and shows him the stars and reminds him that he is going to have as many descendants as these. And I think that's so cool because how much does he just kindly remind us, even though he's told us a lot (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I have to be told a lot sometimes, but Mm -hmm. Though we have that fear of God, that respect that we should have, I think sometimes we need to remember how compassionate and kind he truly is. Mm -hmm. And he will meet you where you are. And he does see you. And that story, I've held on to that story Mm -hmm. since Miles was born. Like, I hold on to that. Because for the first time, I read something that I was like, wow, that's exactly see yourself how I feel. Yeah, I see myself. And as women, I feel like God, Jesus, especially stories of Jesus, he really did meet women where they were. Mm -hmm. And he did hold them to a high esteem, Mm -hmm. which was cool in the culture they lived in. Yes. And I love that about Jesus. I love that about his character. And so, yeah, it's kind of my freed, a big moment in my life that Mm -hmm. has changed the course of my um a big course of my relationship with God for Mm -hmm. sure. When you were having panic attacks, this Mm -hmm. is a little off, but, um, was the first time you had one? Let's because listeners who haven't had one may not understand Mm -hmm. that experience. Yes. Um, were you scared? Were you like, what is happening? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes. I was very scared. What would happen is I would just start to feel heat from like my chest and just all throughout my body. And I start to get very shaky, instantly nauseous. And like I said, sometimes I'll break out in like a heat rash. And it's just an instant fear, like just like a doom feeling. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's almost this irrational, like not many people have seen me like that. And they would think like, what's going on with Caitlin? I just pace around. I feel like I don't know what to do. I usually try to get on my knees and pray because I'm so just in this state of fight or flight. I mean, Mm -hmm. your body is just so much adrenaline. 
but you're not doing anything to have that adrenaline, right? It's not like I'm running a race, but you feel like you just ran a race after it ends. And um, that's, that's pretty much how I've experienced panic attacks. And they can last for 30 seconds to like, you know, almost an hour. My panic attacks have lasted for an hour and now I'm able to talk myself down and they do not stay as long. So that's nice. And I do thank the medicine for that because I think it's able to help me not panic. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's important to have those methods or those things that you know for yourself. This is what helps ground me, get me out of yes. this, whatever, mm-hmm. if anybody ever experiences that. But I just remember, because I had them when, when I was in my 20s. Yeah. And the first time you have one, it's super scary. scary. It's like, what is happening? Yeah. Do you question if you're having a heart attack? You think, or? you question if you're going to die. Mm-hmm. It's very scary. I, I did anyway. I'm mm-hmm. like, am I dying? Like, what, what is happening? Because you feel like you can't breathe mm-hmm. and you think something like that. Like, And we as people want to control ourselves. And when something like this is happening, it is so counterintuitive. Like, yeah. I am not in control. Yes. What is happening what to is my happening body? To me? This is not okay. This is not okay. <laughs> I did not say yes to this. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that it is, it's, like we said, just so important to share these things and, and especially, you know, the physical side, the spiritual side. Cause I always say, I think that Satan is the biggest gaslighter. Oh um, yeah. Ever. Would yeah. you explain that? So, That's a great point. Yes. How do you he's see such, that? He's such a big gaslighter because he, he tries to make you feel crazy, right? Yeah. You, all of a sudden you, yeah. you do feel crazy. Like, wait, okay. So Let's let's take this anxiety and medicine, for example. Like, well, you're a Christian and you believe in God, so now you need medicine. Like, is God really real? Is he that strong? Tries to start start making you question your faith, mm-hmm. everything you've ever believed in. Mm-hmm. You or if your faith was strong enough, you wouldn't need this. If your faith was strong enough, you wouldn't need this. Can't you just pray? Mm-hmm. And I, I think he's the he's the biggest gaslighter. I always say that. It frustrates me to no end. And he's a liar. He's a liar. Jesus himself Absolutely. said that when Satan lies, he speaks his native mm-hmm. language. Wow. Those are words of Jesus. And one of the very first things we have recorded in the Bible that are words of Satan were, did God really, really say? Oh, he is such a <laughs> deceiver. He's a deceiver. And I definitely feel like I've experienced that firsthand. And so I hope if anyone else, you know, feels that way, they can know, hopefully from listening to this, that God is not a God of confusion. Satan wants to deceive you. And don't let Satan make you question who God is, who your God is. Mm-hmm. And um, and one thing I've heard recently that you could maybe do is like um, not put a period at the end. Don't let him finish a sentence. I love like, that. Um, I don't have time for this right now. You can say that out loud. I don't have time for this right now. And switch it up in your head so that you're not like, don't let him finish that thought. I love Just don't that. even let it. That's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. That's a great advice. Um, that's actually advice from the Fonz. I read that. In the- <laughs> oh, well, you know oh, what? Well, that's great. Thanks, Let's Fonz. use it. 
And here's an actually practical tip that helped my daughter in a moment when we were in a hospital room thinking that there was something really, really seriously wrong with her internally and it turned out to be a panic attack. And this is a simple little breathing help. And listeners, if this helps you, great, use this. This might even help you talk your children through struggles they have. And it's a simple breathing trick of breathing in for four counts, like one, two, three, four, holding it for three, and now slowly out for seven, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That simple trick is really the thing that helped my daughter. Do you know why? That resets your vagus nerve. It resets your vagus okay. nerve. I just learned something mm-hmm. new. Yes. Listeners, it resets Very. your vagus nerve. <laughs> And it will help you. So one thing I want to kind of circle back to before we wrap up today is the beautiful moment of Hagar. That is such a beautiful story in scripture. And I want us to connect with that, listeners. I want you to picture a moment that might have been even today. It might have been recent or maybe it was a long time ago, but maybe it felt like you were the only person, like you were alone in a moment of despair or hurt or pain, and no one in the world knew it was happening. But in that moment, in that very moment, God saw you. God sees in the moments no one else sees, He sees us. He cares. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really cool story about Nathaniel in the beginning of the book of John. We don't know what exactly happened under the fig tree, but Nathaniel had a serious moment underneath the fig tree that Jesus knew about and Nathaniel knew about. No (laughs) one else in the world knows what happened, but Jesus did. And what really just gripped Nathaniel's heart in the moment he was meeting Jesus was Jesus told him, I saw you under the fig tree. And it really, it was a a moment of belief for Nathaniel. He was like, whoa, I'm going to believe in you. And that same Jesus who saw Nathaniel when no one else did. And that same moment of El Roi who saw Hagar. He sees you, listener. He loves you. Caitlin's story reminds us he sees us. And so I just wanted to give that special moment to circle back and say, that's for you. (laughs) That's why we needed to hear this story today. (laughs) And I think sometimes when we feel like we're a mess and life is a mess. Yes. And what does God have to do with me right now? Because I can't get myself together. Right. That's not how he sees us. Because mm. he just sees us with the blood of Jesus on us. Thank, and he sees how we end up. <laughs> I mean, he time is not a thing for him. So it's he can see us past yeah, that. That's true. So we have to remember sometimes in those moments where it's like, I just am a screw up. Like, I don't know <laughs> what, what you're doing with me. Yeah. That's not what he's. That's not what he sees, which is amazing. Such a blessing. And um, I think it's important to have moments to be quiet before the Lord because so many voices are coming in all the time, including your own. And there is a song that if any listeners are struggling with maybe anxiety or depression and they feel like their mind is loud, it's called Quiet. And I think it's by Bethel, but I really love the version by Hillside Recording. And it's just beautiful. It, it In Psalm 4610, it talks about 
being still and knowing he's God. And I love that because I was reading that today and I guess I didn't realize that it's a song from the descendants of Korah. Um, it says for the Sopranos. Says, Isn't that cool? Which I was like, that's amazing. Uh-huh. So any, any Sopranos <laughs> any listening. Soprano. <laughs> yeah. Yes, there we go. <laughs> and so being quiet, um, I'll, do you have time? I can read a few yes. lyrics from it. It yes. says, here we go again, my mind racing, and I can't seem to win. All these crazy thoughts and feelings, it's like it never ends. Until your voice breaks through my noise, and I know I'm not alone. You will fight my battles if I will just be still. Why would I keep running when you're right here? And then it goes into, I'll just be quiet and let you speak through the silence. Here I am, no more hiding. You are in this moment and I won't fight it. I'll be quiet. I love that song. And it is so powerful to me. When I'm really struggling with anxiety and worry, I'll turn that on. Mm -hmm. And I actually sometimes don't turn it on. The whole house is silent and I will work in the silence and I will sing it in my head Mm -hmm. and just try to be quiet and say, God, here I am, you know, speak to me and he will. You just have to sometimes be patient, (laughs) just like Abraham was patient for things. And we can really learn from, I think, the story of Abram and Hagar and Sarai, (laughs) Abram and Sarah, so... I, I hope maybe people can dive into some scripture today, maybe go take a read of Genesis 16 and just kind of put yourself maybe in those shoes. I think we all have had those moments, those Hagar moments, mm-hmm. kind of what I like to think of it in that way. It's beautiful. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Thank you. Thank We're you. so glad you came today. <laughs> Thank I'm afraid you for inviting not. me. Thank you for listening, everyone, today. We're so glad that you were here to hear Caitlin's story. And the moment that, for me, stands out as a super special moment is the talking about how God sees us, like he saw Hagar in the Bible. Very special moment that I'm thankful for today. Yes, and I think that it's important that we do recognize, and especially in our in our young people that they may be dealing with some anxiety and depression or panic attacks and that that's how we need to know what to do when we get into those situations so researching all of that is good asking questions looking for help there's no um nothing wrong with any of that and if you or one of your family members is dealing with this we highly encourage you please go talk to a doctor Please see if medicine is right for you. Please see if you need some counseling. We do not want you thinking, I just have to figure this out on my own. I have to be a strong Christian and somehow muscle through. Please go and talk to your doctor. Talk to your pastor. Get some counsel and help. And if you need medicine, take medicine. This is, uh, I think that we have a really taboo misunderstanding that if you somehow take medicine that you're not a good Christian. And that is absolutely a lie. We want to tell you that is a lie. Don't believe that lie. We will be back again in two weeks. And thanks for listening. Bye.